This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, January 30th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Kim.com has not gone quietly in both launching a new product and marking the anniversary of the controversial seizure of his site, Mega Upload. He's essentially begging the U.S. to revisit our copyright laws. Tim Lee, an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute, evaluates the status of copyright today. There's been a trend for the last 20 years or so of um, copyright law becoming more and more uh, strict with more and more enforcement powers. Um, And we had a big uh, sort of watershed moment a year ago when the internet protested against the Stop Online Piracy Act. And it looks like the momentum for additional uh, enforcement measures has slowed down a little bit. Um, But we still have a lot of laws on the books that I think are are problematic. And the government has been ratcheting up the use of those powers. So the, the powers have been on the books for a few years, but um, the government's become more and more aggressive, I think, in the way it's been using them. Now, the recording industry, I think, learned a valuable lesson in uh, not going after preteen girls when it comes to, you know, enforcing their own copyrights. Uh, How have industries altered the way they lobby the government, and how has the government responded to to that pressure? Yeah, so there's been a shift. Um, if you go back a decade ago, um, or a little less than a decade ago, you would have seen this campaign where the recording industry decided was sort of directly uh, trying to enforce its copyright, both against uh, intermediaries that it thought were engaging in infringement, and also end users. And as you said, that sort of turned out to be a PR disaster. Um, and so what's happened more recently is that they've managed to uh, sort of deputize the government or convince the government to do a lot of their enforcement for them. And so rather than um, a company like uh, Napster or uh, YouTube or one of these companies facing a uh, civil lawsuit where they're fighting against another uh, private party, they're now facing a criminal indictment um, where uh, the, you, know, you have potential jail time and there's, there's other sorts of penalties available that wouldn't be available to private parties. Now, there is a sort of an international push uh, for uh, under treaty obligations that would essentially obligate other countries to uh, vigorously enforce copyrights in the United States, right? Yeah, that's right. So one of, one of the, uh, the, the long-standing strategies that they're still pursuing is to use um, trade negotiations as a vehicle for basically twisting the arms of other countries to adopt uh, copyright laws that, um, that U.S. content companies uh, like. So there was a, a treaty called the Anti-Counterfeiting Trade Agreement um, that uh, was actually signed by the U.S. and was supposed to be signed by Europe, and there was a big backlash there um, sort of growing out of the SOPA protest. Um, that actually put a stop to that legislation. But there's um, there's a, a new t- free trade, quote-unquote, agreement called the Trans-Pacific Partnership um, that I think probably has some good free trade language in there, but also has is rumored to have, it's, it's a secret process, some uh, copyright provisions that, that may not be uh, so great. Kim.com mm-hmm. is sort of an icon now of, of this fight over copyright. His site, Mega Upload, allowed people to store items and to the extent that people are storing digital assets, sometimes those are the copyright of other people. How did the government deal with him? And, uh, you know, he's he's not a dumb guy. He's a really very uh, erudite, uh, smart person, has been able to articulate his, his position on this very well. How has the government dealt with him? Uh, uh, what are the lessons uh, people are learning about uh, how governments are going after these people. Yeah, so pe- people disagree about uh, sort of the legal status of Mega Upload to, to hear uh, Kim.com tell it. Um, it's basically the next Dropbox. It's just a sort of neutral file sharing service. Um, they did do certain things uh, like uh, paying people for the volume of, of uh, downloads that you could construe as sort of 
uh, encouraging copyright infringement. Um, ultimately, that's something that should be for the courts to decide. Um, what the government did is uh, rather than the traditional strategy of having a civil lawsuit with another private party, um, the government did a uh, commando-style SWAT team raid on his, uh, on his home in New Zealand uh, a year ago and um, froze all of his assets and shut down his business uh, before he had any sort of uh, due process, before he had a chance to make his, his side of the argument in trial. And um, his, his website mega upload is still, uh, is still down and um, all the assets of the company were frozen, which essentially means the company's dead because if you don't have any money, you can't pay your employees or whatever, um, all without him uh, having any sort of opportunity to give his side in the court or to get a ruling for the judge about whether or not he's broken the law. Okay. So this is clearly in the United States. This is what? Prior restraint? Yeah. So that's one of the issues. I mean, so libertarians have always been uh, skeptical about uh, asset seizures in, for example, drug cases where the government will take, say, they find a bunch of money and say, we think this is drug money and they'll take it. Um, so th those issues all apply to these kinds of uh, website seizures. But then there's the additional issues that a website is a platform for speech. And traditionally, the courts have been very skeptical about uh, restricting people's speech before they've had due process. And um, in, in, in this mega upload case and in several other cases, uh, you've had that just hasn't been followed where the government's shut down a website and then the burden of proof is sort of on the owner of the website to go to court and convince the court to give the, the property back. Kim.com has launched a new site timed to be launched a year after the government raided his home. Yes, down down to the minute. So he's uh, uh, a pretty. Uh, he's got a lot of hootspa, I guess you could say. He uh, launched the site uh, exactly one year to the minute after the initial raid on his house. Um, he actually hired some people to fly a, a helicopter that said FBI on it to um, over over his compound to sort of dramatize what happened to him. Um, and so his position is, I was running legal business. Um, now I'm running another legal business that's similar, although has some differences to the previous one. Um, and he's currently still fighting extradition to the United States. Um, and I think his plan is to just build another successful business and sort of dare the government to, to shut him down again. And I think there's been enough of a backlash against the first seizure that the government's probably going to be reluctant to do the same thing to him again. I think if, if that happened, it would sort of uh, illustrate the kind of lawless nature of this, that um, if the government doesn't like you, they can just uh, shut you down. Um, and he's just going to push forward and, and hope he wins in court and also is able to rebuild the business. Now, the issue with uh, Kim.com, with services like Dropbox, with uh, Google Drive or any other uh, file sharing services or just the ease with which people share files today, uh, YouTube, and uh, just advancements in technology that allow this kind of copyright infringement to occur is just broadly at odds. That is to say the ritual of, of or the customs that have emerged out of this uh, sharing of asset, digital assets has is just at odds with the laws. Yeah. Well, it depends, right? So, I mean, I, I think that there is a distinction between uh, companies like uh, Dropbox um, or YouTube that make a, a reasonable effort to uh, you know, comply with with the you know the the spirit of copyright law versus companies like um, Mega Upload that arguably didn't, um, and we do have I think a set of legal doctrines that do a reasonably good job of balancing those competing objectives. Um, but the key part of that is that you need to have some due process. You need to have a judge hear the arguments about were you following the law or not and get a ruling before these things are shut down. Because remember, um, YouTube, for example, 
uh, faced of somewhat similar charges in, in the early days of YouTube. Um, a lot of the content on YouTube was infringing, and they did take it down, but there were allegations they maybe didn't do it very quickly to sort of build, you know, people wanted to find South Park clips or whatever. Um, and so there was a lawsuit between Viacom and YouTube, and YouTube mostly won that lawsuit and was not shut down, and now it's a billion-dollar company. Um, you can imagine an alternate universe where the, these asset seizure powers um, had been in effect. They were only, Congress only gave it, them to the government in 2008. But if the government had these powers and they'd simply staged a commando raid on YouTube headquarters and shut the website down, um, maybe they still would have won their lawsuit, but A, they wouldn't have had any money to fight the lawsuit with, and B, probably some other video sharing site would have taken their place, and so it would have been kind of a, a symbolic victory because their business would have been destroyed even though they, they in fact, were not breaking the law. Right, but uh, with respect to how companies like Disney treat their intellectual property mm -hmm. versus how uh, young people think about the same, deal with the same uh, intellectual property. There are remixes, edits, uh, people, oh, absolutely. people engage in this type of thing just for fun. Right. And it's much easier to do that now than it ever has been. And it seems to be begging for a pretty serious reform of our copyright laws. Yeah, I certainly think there could be room for copyright. But actually, I do think that the, the doctrine of fair use leaves a significant amount of room for some of the kinds of remixings that you're talking about. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I think... As I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, um, Congress keeps changing the law to make it more expansive and, and increase the, the enforcement. I think had that not happened, we, would, we probably still would need some reform to, to reflect sort of changing social norms. But I think you wouldn't need very much reform. I think that the, the sort of common law process by which fair use doctrine and other doctrines are evolve would have, would have taken care of a, a lot of that. Um, and you wouldn't necessarily have needed a huge, huge overhaul of copyright. Tim Lee is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.